I always feel like I should start these things off with like, you know, foster mother, like some metal intro and uh, so, so not me. So they always start off real awkward and weird. So uh, <laughs> Travis and Steven from foster mother. Thanks for being Thank on you. here. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited for you guys. When this comes out, your album will be out the very next day. Um, it's called The Ocean. It's pretty exciting. You guys are on Ripple Music now. Big album for you guys. To feel feel like important, feel like a big one. Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's our um, our first release, and hopefully not last with Ripple Music and. Uh, you know, uh, I'd say this has been a great experience working with them and um, working with Todd. And, you know, we're just really looking forward to having it out there and seeing who likes it and who hates it. <laughs> I've uh, I've had a couple conversations with people just in the last couple of days and people that have heard it or people that have just heard you've had three singles out. Right. Um and they people have loved it and i've heard people mention that it's probably going to be in their top albums of the year and it's already february so i don't know if you guys are aware of that or if <laughs> you want to be aware of that at this point before it comes out but uh seems to be well received so far that's that's exciting to hear here been hearing some things here and there we'll get you know some messages you know hey i'm going to review your album <laughs> <laughs> pretty exciting yeah so um in 2020 you put out the first album the self-titled album is that right 2020 yeah, that's correct yeah that was back in uh, january gosh what did we do 31st 31st yeah last yeah. day of january okay and yeah, from what i sorry go ahead oh no um now it just seems like a blur, you know. We put that album out, and then, you know, came time for March, and the same as with every band, everything kind of stopped. Yeah. But right. the album, it kind of took on a, it's, you know, just still spread on the internet. It just, we weren't hardly playing, and it was a quite a weird time. It still is. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly how I came across it because I hadn't even started slightly fuzz or anything at that point. But I remember hearing it even back then, and I put Destroyers on uh, a playlist way back then. So I don't remember how I how I came across it, but it definitely got around. I mean, yeah, Destroyers was the first song that I kind of put out there back in uh, you know late October or maybe July of uh, 2019, and the first person that i can think of that put it up on a youtube channel was rob hammer and then that was followed by the mr doom channel so that, that i think that well most people heard it there yeah yeah for sure i mean that i especially especially in 2020 i was getting a lot of music from mr doom and and, mm. and rob as well so there's a good possibility it came from them <laughs> Yeah, From what I understood and read, Travis, you basically wrote and uh, played and and did everything on that album, aside from like what one track or something. Yeah, it was uh, so I played uh, I played everything um, on all the songs except for Fathoms, where that was a song that was 
the music was already written by by Steven. So when we we met up for the first time in uh, October 2019 and just hit it off and he had these demos and, you know, I just quickly wrote some uh, lyrics to that one. And I think it, to me, it was one of my, my favorite songs on the album. But, um, but that, that was uh, definitely a, a sign of where we were going to go a little bit. I've had, had a lot of like individual, like solo projects on here, um, a handful anyway. And people that just, you know, are good at writing music, playing guitar, they know at least enough to play drums and sing a little with some effects and they can record it in, on their computer and they put out these albums and stuff like that. I mean, was that kind of what it was at that time? Or was, did you always have the intention of starting a real, like full band and, and recording that way? No, I wasn't too sure. Um, you know, I, I growing up, I, I started as a drummer. I, I played drums through my, my teens and um, I played guitar, but it wasn't my vocal point. And, um, <clears throat> you know, through my 20s, a, a lot of people I knew just weren't into heavy, heavy music and stuff. So I had a lot of, you know, friends in the indie rock and all that kind of stuff. So I never really had people that saw eye and eye to me eye, eye to eye with me it was either like death metal or real soft kind of shoegazy stuff so i guess some of the shoegaze elements probably over time kind of probably snuck in there a little bit which uh, i've heard people mention that with the first album i but, still have uh, no idea yeah. what shoegaze or doom gaze or any of that stuff is so i i mean i think the term's gotten lost over over the years but it was really just you know I think it was just a way to describe bands like Sonic Youth, their, their pedals, you know, like hit the pedal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind of at that time, like, why are they looking down? <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> what are these, you know, what are these people on stage, you know, making all these weird sounds? But uh, yeah, I didn't really, um, I didn't really have expectations for this to become, a, you know, a full-fledged band at the time. I was just making music that I liked and decided to kind of put it out. And you obviously knew enough it wasn't until about recording and, and stuff. Yeah, I have been uh, recording since I was uh, a teenager. I started on uh, Tascam cassette, you know, four track recorders and went to like digital recorders and then eventually moved on to PC. And it's just something I never stopped learning how to do. I'm still learning. I mean, it's just uh, something I enjoy. I've, I've always enjoyed the recording process, just sitting there, kind of creating and learning did you do how to make it, it, you it on your better. on your own computer and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, so I've got, um, you know, I've got uh, equipment and interfaces, oh, okay. and a lot of microphones and stuff. So I did it all at home. The drum drum tracks are all tracked in my house and. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of a lot of time spent just kind of jamming with yourself, basically. But I, and then, I'd how say, did Stephen? How did you how did you meet Travis? How did you come in for for this song and, and the, the first album and stuff? So, well, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird. Uh, it's almost like online dating. Uh, we <laughs> sorry, Travis. Hey, I'm gonna do it now. Bye. <laughs> 
I was on uh, what was that page? Uh, Band mix is that what's called? And uh, I was looking for um, some people to jam with. I was in a cover band at the time, and I had a bunch of my original. What was the cover band? What were you guys covering? Uh, oh man, we were like cheap trick, <laughs> you know, like, like like classic rock stuff. Cheap you know? tricks from Rockford. That's where I'm at. Man, I love, I, I love cheap trick. I'm, I'm a huge Tom Peterson fan and um, Bunny Carlos. Man, I. I, don't know. I, I love Cheap Trick, so that was always my input for classic rock bands. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, so I was on there just searching for. Uh, hold on one second. Sorry. All right, kiddo. I, I need to do this. All right. Okay. All right. Go over there. Go play a game. Sorry. It's okay. Um, yeah. So I was there um, looking for. I don't know. Just really, just anything. I posted my original music on there. Uh, a couple of demos, I think, that I had put out on whatever platforms would take them and travis reached out to me through there or maybe even through insta actually i think it was through instagram and uh said he'd listened to one of the tracks i put up there and he liked it and uh, what did it sound like what what were your uh your dev- I demos sound like? i i was doing a lot of um i guess it'd be the closest thing we considered like post-rock so Mellotrons, like vintage type synthesizers, but with kind of edgy guitars and um, a little bit of doomy, a little bit of doomy atmosphere. Not not a whole lot, but just you know, uh, kind of a blend of all of that. Um, I'm not really sure what to classify it as, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, he he reached out. He said he liked it, and it turned out he was in Houston also. And um, we were like. Uh, you know, why don't we just uh, go to a guitar center, meet up, chat it up, see, you know, see how it goes. And we went there and I think with the intention of jamming and I brought my guitar and, and we just, we didn't end up jamming at all. We just talked for like an hour and a half. Um, he was wearing a porcupine tree t-shirt and I'm a huge porcupine tree fan. And like, that's kind of rare in Houston, especially to find someone who's a prog rock fan like that. Um so that was, you know, we hit it off really well. And he sent me his Empty Sons album, which was something he'd done previously. And he sent me Foster Mother. And um, I fell in love with Empty Sons. Then I listened to Foster Mother. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is awesome. Um, so I was were like, those hey, kind of the, ver- the versions that appeared on the album that you were hearing? Or did you guys re-record some of that, redo any of that? Uh, uh, the stuff he sent me was as it was basically how it came out. Okay. Um, I don't. I, I think he may have remastered it or something, but uh, the recording and the mixing was all all done at that point. Um, and so I sent him a couple of tracks, and the one that he felt was probably the best one for that was uh, Fathoms, and it kind of blended seamlessly with his other stuff. So that was um, that was a a really like a crowning achievement for us, I think, was that we're able to blend our stuff so seamlessly. So yeah. I'm put my earbuds in. So it, it to me, like the you know, both albums sound like Foster Mother, but it, if anything, that first album is a little bit more like Heavy Psych, whereas you tiptoed a little bit more into like Doom on this new album. Is that <laughs> fairly accurate to say? Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You want to play Minecraft again? Unintentionally, though. I mean, when I 
whenever I sit down and write stuff, I just don't. I don't think like I'm gonna write a doom track. I've I've always been into heavy into like doom bands and Black Sabbath and stuff. You know, growing up, I was a big typo negative fan. So like, usually if I put on a plugged in a guitar and had my rat pedal or some fuzz pedal, I always dialed it all up. You know, <laughs> it just that's what came natural to me. Yeah. Um, so it just. Um, I think the doomier side of this uh, latest album, The Ocean, has really just been writing through the pandemic. I, I think some of that kind of affected me in certain ways and maybe made me get a little, I don't know, I guess you could say slightly sludgy at times. But it's just what I felt like playing at the time. So what about the combination of the three of you working on this album as opposed to just one, mostly on the first album? I mean, has that changed the sound or was it kind of inevitable to begin with? I think it, I think it changes the sound because, you know, this, uh, this time around, we just traded demos for a few months. So Stephen would write some riffs and I would write riffs and we were trading them back and forth. So whenever I'll hear something he's done, that'll inspire me to do something similar and vice versa. So there would be times where I would send a riff to Steven and then he'll send back another song idea that's kind of almost like it was inspired by the last song that I came up with. So in a way, you kind of organically grow each other and grow a sound together. And that's that's how I think this album has you know, between our writing styles, something that's cohesive, like it, you probably wouldn't be able to tell who, who wrote what. Um, and you know, I think we're better for that. Um, yeah, so there was a huge element of uh, cohesion with this one because, like, if he would write something, he would send it to me, and I would kind of I would fill in how I would write certain parts into that and vice versa. I would send him something and he would say, yeah, that's cool. Here's my take on it. Or we'd send each other riffs and kind of combine them to make something else. And um, I think that's like Travis was saying, there's a big like uh, sense of unity with this album compared to the first one. Um, but Fathoms is really the one that started that off from the first one, because that was ultimately, you know, how that, sort of cohesive writing style started. What was it like adding a, a drummer into the mix of that? Um, I mean, Jason's Jason's great, but um, he, he joined up actually after we recorded the, the ocean. Okay. Uh, Tra Travis did all the drums on the ocean. We were between drummers at that time. Gotcha. And when did, when did Ripple end the picture? I mean, to, to have an album that you mostly wrote by yourself, Travis, and recorded by yourself and played by yourself aside from a track? Like, how, do, how does Ripple enter the picture? What is it like to, like, go from this solo project into, like, this kick-ass label like Ripple that has all these great bands and great music coming out? Uh, you know, I, I think it's really great. You know, um, uh, I didn't really think we would be working with Ripple uh, like we are now, but it is, 
it's been a it's been a really great experience you know um to work with a label like that it's it, you really do feel like you're kind of joining a family um you know there's been so many great bands that we've had you know pleasure of sharing the stage with uh we did ripple fest and and uh um you know i think it's just overall kind of inspiring you know we just want to make sure we keep the momentum up um you know we we uh <clears throat> we've really started talking to ripple about about a year ago and uh i've been sitting on it for a while but um mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a really great experience. You know, we're very very happy with that. Do you feel like you are? I don't know if rock stars is the right word to use necessarily, but like for me, like even having this podcast, I talk to bands that I literally listen to. Like it's not music that I listen to because I have to because I'm going to write a review and then I never think about it ever again. Like. I get to talk to people like yourselves that yeah. they literally create music that I would listen to, even if slightly fuzz wasn't a real thing. So like for you guys, do you feel that? Like, do you feel like this is a real thing? You're real musicians, you're a, a rock band, you're rock stars at all, or does it feel like just some hobby still at this point? Well, it definitely feels like a real band. It's, it's not a hobby for me. I don't think any of us feel like it's a hobby. But um, rock stars, no. <laughs> um, I mean, you guys have played some you know, awesome shows, like even even Ripple Fest, yeah. uh, you know, and, and played with some great bands. Mothership was there, and uh, you know, Wino was there and stuff. Like playing big shows like that, do you do you feel like the weight of that? Like going, holy shit! Like this is this is a real thing. Yeah, we go to our day job, but like this is crazy. <laughs> or are you just like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> we're we're making music and whatever comes next. No, you know, it, it's exciting, you know, when uh, you go from, you know, 2019 recorded music at your house and in your bedroom to, you know, the next year playing the festival with Wino. I mean, that's a lot to take in. I mean, uh, it's, it's very exciting um, because these are artists that you're a fan of, you know, so to be a fan getting to play on stage before those acts is, you know, it's amazing. It's kind of surreal. Yeah. It is a little surreal to almost in a way you don't, you get caught up in it too. And you, you, you forget about it. And then you're watching the other bands play and you're like, Oh man, I just played at this thing. <laughs> yeah. Does it live up to expectations of being a musician that you had once as a as a kid or a young young person? Like you know, especially in, in this genre, it's so much more underground and so much smaller. You know, no one's like trashing hotel rooms and shit at this point. Everyone goes home to their their family. They have kids. They go to bed early. They have a day job. You know, it's very different than than what I imagined as a kid. But like, does it live up to your expectations that you had as you know when when you're starting to play music and looking up to other bands and heroes of yours? Well, you know, I don't know really if I had a, a big set of expectations of like being a big rock star, you know, and, you know, going around in a big bus and <laughs> passing out and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> I really just, my, my drive has just been, you know, 
I just like making music and anything that can keep me on that track has been the right track for me. And I've, that's a, how I've been since I was a teenager, you know? So it's like, um, you know, college didn't go very well because I'm sitting there, I'm supposed to be reading, but I'm writing music, you know? <laughs> and you, so the more time I spend away from music in my, in my life, you know, you just kind of get a little depressed and it just something's missing, you know? So, I mean, in that aspect, I think uh, as far as expectations, you know, getting to play shows and have a community of bands that are welcoming and uh, exciting to play with, that that in itself is fulfilling because you actually feel like you're part of something, whether you make money or not. Because um, I think that's that's where rock and roll really is. It's not about being a billionaire. It's about making really awesome music and just being part of something because if you know you could be a musician and not part of something but it would feel kind of lonely i get that sense from a lot of the bands and stuff that i've talked to is that like especially being in this genre this underground kind of version of metal anyway like there is really no expectations of anyone quitting their day jobs anytime soon or any specific amount of records sold or anything like that so like if you take away the expectations you know you find like the people that are really into making music and and you know figuring out exactly what they want to do with it as opposed Mm -hmm. to just trying to reach a certain level of something you know so i've gotten that sense from a lot of bands that i've talked to but well and also once you take away those types of expectations it's, it's kind of liberating you know it like yeah it just allows you to take your music wherever you want to take it to, too. You know, what's the, what's the game plan for, for shows and, and stuff this year? You know, can you trying to get into uh, like psycho or anything like that? Can you get into a show like that or just playing uh, around Texas or. Uh, right now we're just, uh, we've kind of planned our, our, all of our Texas dates and we're kind of into venturing out of Texas later this year. Um, you know, just kind of watching how things are going and everything. I think the beginning of the year with the uptick and and COVID cases, and we actually kind of all went through some long months of band having COVID. So, you know, it kind of slowed us on on booking like out of state. But uh, we we're looking to kind of just venture out this year and finally get out of foster mother out of texas but uh yeah right now just a bunch of texas dates and kind of hopefuls cool so um especially travis specifically for you you know being so involved in the first album and then this one but steve also is there a song that you're most proud of is there is there something is there something that foster mother has done show-wise or anything else that you're most proud of? You know, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to say which song we would, I'd be most proud of on the new album. I, I do, I am particularly fond of the songs that had more of the riffs written by Steven because I was able to just to kind of focus on lyrics and vocals and not have to stress about, you know, 
figuring out if I know how to write music anymore. Because that's generally when I'm writing songs, it's me sitting down like, you know what? I don't think I know how to write music anymore. <laughs> and uh, that's usually when you write a song. But, um, you know, there's something different about having music brought in, you know, by someone else and writing on top of it. And I, that process I really enjoy. So, like, the song Redeemer uh, is one of those. That was one that um, was you know, all Steven, you know, all I did was add a little bit to the guitar solo and kind of adjust things and adjust the tempo. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that song. Um, and as well as uh, Seasons, there's just a lot of bass lines and bass work that I really love on that, that song. But, uh, well, speaking of Redeemer, why don't we play Redeemer?
That was Redeemer. Hey man, that's I was uh, I was stoked that uh, you sent that one over, and it's yeah. it's cool that you said that was you know a song that you were pretty proud of because I think it could very well be my favorite off the album too. It's it's a cool song. It's got kind of like a tempo change in there, and it's got that outro at the end that's a little different and stuff. Like I, it's a very cool, very cool track. Uh, enjoy, yeah, man. Thank you. You worked hard on that one. It's cool. I was just gonna say. For all the songs I, I played drums on on the album, that was the most fun. Most fun? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just all down. Cool. <laughs> the artwork? So, uh, the artwork for The Ocean. Where did that come from? Because it's, it's a lot different than your self-titled album. It's a different vibe altogether. It's it's, it's awesome. It's awesome artwork. Uh, I know that it's it's Ryan Hancock. I, I think I followed him and saw it and and shared uh, when when you guys shared it. I saw that uh, it was his artwork, his painting. Um, but what what's the uh, what's the story behind that? Um, how does it tie in to the album and, and everything? Well, with with this album, the uh, you know I think the the lyrical themes kind of centered around um, just not on purpose, but it just kind of gives them that kind of depressive isolation kind of territory. So <clears throat> we really just looked for artwork that spoke to the feeling conveyed by the lyrics. And, um, you know, we were a f- big fan of his artwork. So um, but actually, I I was looking at a lot of his stuff. And then I was messaging Stephen. And uh, one of us brought him up first. And they're like, oh, man, I was just looking at his stuff, too. So just the fact that we both came up with him as an artist was um, one of the reasons we just decided to to shoot him a message and, you know, use something that he had. Yeah, he's got great stuff and it, it, it definitely fits the vibe of the, of the album. And it's, I love when, you know, visual artists, painters and things get to just repurpose their art for an album cover, you know, it, uh, they're just, there's so much more above, like, you know, what some people do for album covers, you know, these keep, these people are really talented. That's what they do is make these paintings and stuff. So to be able to use it for artwork, uh, on an album is, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a real honor. You know, I, I, we just fell in love with that, that painting and, you know, it was really between him creating something new and using something they had. And I just, when we, we just didn't think that, you know, anything would work as well as that, that painting. So. Cool. So uh, I have, uh, I, I think my favorite segment of Slightly Fuzzed is called Dumb Questions. And uh, I'm going to ask you a series of dumb, really dumb questions. And you can give dumb answers if you'd like, or you can, uh, you can answer them honestly or however however you see fit. Sounds good. Okay. So this is dumb questions. First dumb question is if you had to pick, who would be the better foster mother? The woman from Mommy Dearest or this drunk from Annie? Jeez, man. I don't know. I'd say the drunk from Annie. 
Yeah, I'll have to go with, I don't know. I don't know about that, but yeah. Drunk from Annie? Yeah, I'll go with that one. Okay. Uh, you have a song titled Sunday, and you also have a song titled Unholiest of Days. Do you have a case of the Mondays? Yes. What? No. Shit, no, man. I reckon you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. <laughs> what is the Unholiest of Days about? I love the orange hat on there. <laughs> looks like so, uh, just like you, guys. <laughs> it is. It, it, I, it is your hat, actually. <laughs> I should have worn like, That's like really good. <laughs> the angle and everything is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that was when Travis with a suit. <laughs> uh, the lyrics, um, originally, my take on the lyrics for that song were um, actually about the pandemic as it started happening and originally my uh idea was to have people's different perspectives so like you know religious certain religious people thinking like the rapture is coming or like like um self-serving people wanting to live out all their temptations and their greed before the end or whatever um and then travis kind of took that and he he made it his own sort of thing and i think it works better that way it's a little bit less uh, literal that way okay all right this, this, this is a long one here all right. uh death clock recorded an album in the mariana trench because it's the deepest heaviest most brutal part of the ocean it that album later went pentuple platinum is that why you named the album the ocean were you trying to make the deepest uh, heaviest, most brutal album ever. Um, you know, we, we weren't yeah. able to record it on water, unfortunately. You did not record this on underwater. Oh, no, no. <laughs> was, uh, Where did you record this album? Was this one? Was this one on your own too, or or no? Did you record this somewhere? Yeah, yeah. recorded at the house again. Yeah, but. Which is not underwater, but you know, had it been underwater, this album might have been a little better. <laughs> At the end of your video for seasons, you pull out a bag of chips. What the fuck are zombos? All right. So let me let me tell you the story behind this. All right. I was really, really fucking hungry, right? <laughs> we're going out in the middle of the woods to Travis's dad's property. It's like, I don't know where the hell we are. I don't know where a restaurant is. So I go by the gas station. And down here, there's a lot of, like, chips that you wouldn't normally see. Like, uh, I guess because of the, you know, certain demographics down here or whatever. And so those are actually salsa verde plantain chips. They're not like potato chips. They're not tortilla chips. They're plantain. And um, I was munching on those, and then I gave Jason one. He, I think he ended up stealing the bag, dude. He loved those things. Are they good? They're, they're amazing. Yeah, they're really good. Okay. Uh, now that I've kind of turned slightly fuzz into a record label of sorts, 
um, we, we've kicked around the idea of doing a covers compilation. Would you consider doing a cover for the Slightly Fuzz compilation and covering Foster the People's Pumped Up Kicks and calling it Foster the Mother Pumped Up Kicks? I can't say I've heard that song, but why not, man? I'm up for anything. You don't know that song? No. That was a huge song. Travis, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, even I... It'll be your new favorite song. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> All right. Um, Steven, <laughs> I understand that you are a cat lover. Yes. And since Travis did a lot uh, of the, the work on the self-titled album, would you consider doing uh, your own album and possibly ca- calling it Foster Meow Ther? Hey, man, I really dig that artwork. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, uh, just replace all the lyrics with various meowing uh, felines. And in fact, most of the commotion I'm sure you're hearing tonight is cats chasing each other around here. <laughs> How many cats do you have? I think it should be a whole. <clears throat> Too many, actually. Too many. Steven, What's the whole album of Mellotrons and Cats. It just has to be Mellotrons and Cats. That's all you need, man. Yeah. Because a little inside information, every time Steven's like, I think we should have a Mellotron on the song. I said, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, uh, he would send a song over. I'd be like, all right, that's cool. I'll do my bass part. And then like a week later, I'd be like, hey, man, I sent you another version of it. With some Mellotrons added to it. <laughs> I see your cat back there behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. There she goes. We had a cat uh, for a while that had something wrong with his ears. And one, like, I, I don't know what you, what you say. It kind of, like, puffed up. But then after the, it, they drained it, it, like, just flopped over. And then the other one, like, years later, did the same thing. So we had these, like, bent, crooked, down-turning, like, ears. And he just oh, looked man. like... That's crazy. Like the street cat. I mean, he, he looked rough, but he wasn't. He was just, you know, he's an awesome cat, but uh, he looked like, his, like an alley cat or something. So uh, congratulations again on on the ocean. And uh, it's an, it's a great album. Like I said, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people are going to have it on their best of 22 list at the end of this year. And it's, it's only February. So um, it's great. And I appreciate you guys coming on here and, and hanging out and, bullshitting for a little bit yeah dude well, thanks, thanks for, for having us it's it a good time all right that'll do it that'll do it for me all right cheers man thank you later all right